Nathan bet me 10 bucks about crying, and, and so I'm going to be 10 bucks richer today. I mean, I'm going to invest that somehow. So I do have a confession to make as, as we kind of get into the Word this morning. Is, um, and it's kind of always the confession place. It's the crying place, confession place, all that, all that stuff. So I'm going to stand over here just a little bit. But I felt like it would be right to go ahead and confess a few things to you this morning. But particularly one is, is this. I procrastinated this week. I've been procrastinating for a couple of weeks. I haven't preached since the middle of July. And so I've been thinking, what's my message going to be like? And I just don't want to think about it. I've been procrastinating about it. But, you know, one thing when you procrastinate or you're trying to put something off, you kind of, your mind goes off on these different tangents. You kind of daydream a little bit. And so I was just kind of having this moment, I think, Tuesday when I was here and I was like, wow, I really don't want to write this. I've got some thoughts, but at the same time, do I really have to preach? I started going through the directory. Who could I, who could I ask to preach the last, the last sermon? But I thought, well, I guess it is my responsibility to do it. I didn't text my wife. I was, I was tempted. I've always tried to get her up here, and she's always said no. I thought, this is your last chance. But I started thinking about all the things that I've heard as pastor of the church, the good and the bad, the, the interesting, the funny, the serious, and, and there's a lot of stuff in between that that you just kind of, sometimes you just scratch your head like, hmm, that's interesting. And sometimes there's been the shock factor, like, wow, I never heard that one before. And then you hear it a second time, like, yeah, okay, I've heard that one before. You, you haven't shocked me on that. But I also started thinking about some of the things I haven't heard. And I figured, well, now, now as I'm kind of leaving this Sunday, I'm never going to hear these things. And so I just wanted to read a little list that I made. And it goes like this. Hey, it's my turn to sit on the front row today. It's interesting. <laughs> no one ever fights for it, right? Pastor, I was so enthralled with your preaching. Could you go another hour and 25 minutes? <laughs> Personally, Pastor, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than eating or golf or any of that stuff. Now, I'm not speaking to anyone on this one, but I'm speaking to everyone, if you get my drift on this one. Hey, Pastor, since we're, here all, since we're all here early, can we start the worship service early? <laughs> Man, I can say whatever I want today. Hey, Pastor, we'd like to send you to this Bible seminar in the Bahamas. Come on. Or, Pastor, you didn't wrap the hot dogs in bacon for the church picnic. I don't know where that one came from. Must have been, must have been around lunchtime when I was thinking of that one. Hey, Pastor, you talk too much about Jesus in your sermons. I've never heard that one, so thank goodness, right? Or, hey, Pastor, I woke up this morning fully intending to kill a man, but after hearing your sermon, I decided not to. <laughs> or, hey, our nice new coffee espresso machine is attracting too many hipsters and guys who wear skinny jeans. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. And this one, Pastor, one of these days you'll know what you're doing. No, you won't. You know, I've heard something close to that. And my response is, hey, I never know what I'm doing, right? But it's true. If, if, being in, a, in leadership or being a pastor, there's a lot that you don't learn in seminary. There's a lot you don't learn unless you're on the job. There's just a lot of different things that happen along the way. And so many times James has been my go-to where God says, if you need wisdom, you're seeking wisdom, ask for it, and he'll give it in abundance. And so many times I've been on the phone or I've been sitting across from someone and they're starting to tell me something and I'm like, I don't remember this from seminary class. 
I don't remember ever talking about this, and the wisdom of God just kind of prevails forth. And, you know, it's kind of a, it's been a cool place to be in um, at times because you're on the in, inner circle a lot of times, that you know stuff about people, exciting stuff, that someone bought a house or someone's getting married, someone's having a kid or, or this and that before it's public knowledge. But then it's the other side where it's not always good news and, and you do know it before other people know it, but you're helping someone process, process through some of those life-changing moments. And so it's, it's been, always been a privilege and an honor to serve in whatever capacity. And so as we move forward, there's, there's a first that I'm doing this morning that we're all maybe doing this morning, and that's shutting a church down. We're really sending everyone out. And so this is my title this morning, How to Shut Down a Church. All right? <laughs> there's an and to it also, all right? I'll get to the and. How to Shut Down a Church and be sent out in an effective, healthy, life-giving, missional way. That's a mouthful, right? How to be sent out in an effective way. I mean, at this point, we don't have to say how to be sent out in an effective way because we're already being sent out, and it, it is effective. It's, there's no moral failure. There's no financial integrity breach. There's, there's no split in the church. God is just calling us to something else. It's, it's effective. There's, there's not that junk that we have to deal with. God's made it clear. Let's, let's be sent out. Healthy. It's healthy because, you know, kind of is what Michael was saying. I think that's, that addresses some of that along those life-giving and missional. If we're going to be sent out, it's got to be life-giving and it's got to be missional. It's got to be, hey, a perspective of, Lord, you're calling me, you're calling my family, you're calling maybe even a group of us to a place to put down roots, that we're, we're kind of transplanting ourselves for a reason and for a purpose. And a lot of you have already been sent out in different capacities. We've prayed for you on Sundays as you moved to Ohio or, or you moved to Pennsylvania or you moved to, to wherever God was calling you. It's just, hey, we all get to do it together now. And a lot of times it's better to do it together than to do it individually because we, have, we share a common experience along those lines. But it's really just three things I want to share this morning, three quick, short things one is kind of a, a warning, I guess, or a caution. There's a challenge and an encouragement in that as well. And then there's, there's really more encouragement in the, in the last two. But part of being sent out, and this is number one, that I want to warn us against, is that as we're being sent out, that we don't become consumers of the church. Too many times people are consumers. We live in that society where we consume and consume food and, and TV and, and video games and, and whatever it may be. We live in that society as, hey, what are you offering me and how does it benefit me? And so we consume and we have these checklists. I don't know how many people have come through the doors and, and they've said, hey, do you have this, 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 and this? And I'm like, absolutely not. Maybe you need to head out that way. But we have checklists. And look, I want to say there's nothing wrong with having certain checklists. You want to find a church that is theologically sound, you know, by faith, through grace, we're saved, not by works. What do they think about baptism? What about the Holy Spirit? What about the church? What about certain things? But there's going to be some components of their theology, not maybe their theology, but their doctrine that you may not fully agree with. You have to decide what those essentials are for you and those non-essentials. But I want to say be careful with the checklist you have. Because the Lord doesn't call us or he, let me put it this way, he does call us to a church family. He doesn't call us to have a bunch of programs. And again, I'm not knocking programs because programs are good. But he's saying, hey, I want the lights and the, and the smoke machine, and I want this and this and this and this. 
Sometimes you may miss what the Lord is doing. Hey, I want a big church. He may be calling you a small church. You may say, I want a small church. He may be calling you to a big church. He may be calling you to this type of ethnic church, and you don't want that type of ethnic church. The Lord may just call you, and you need to be careful to listen to where he may be calling you. Interesting, Michael talked about this last week with their house. What were the three things? Double sinks, uh, fireplace, and no pool. And what did they get? They got single sinks, no fireplace, and a pool that keeps getting bigger. I think you told, he told me it grew this week. It's like eight or ten feet deep in the middle. And, you know, he thought it was just, you know, one of those shallow ones. But that's it. And he said, the Lord told him, hey, it's not for you. It's not for you. See, if we're truly going to be sent out, a church is not necessarily for us. Yes, church is there to build us up and encourage us, disciple us, all those things. But we're also to build and support what is going on in that particular place. And not that we've arrived, not that the Lord's transformed us so much that we're a finished product and we come in arrogantly, arrogantly to a place, but we come in humbly and say, Lord, how do you want me to be used in this place? How do you want me to build in this place? How do you want me to support in this place? And sometimes it may be up front, and sometimes it may be behind the scenes through prayer or scrubbing the toilets or something else. Where is the Lord calling you? I had a friend, this wasn't recently, it was a number of years ago, needed some money. And uh, we were kind of brainstorming some ideas, ways that they can make money. And he realized he had a bunch of collectibles. And he said, hey, I can sell these. But, you know, yard sales, you don't really attract too many collectible buyers. And we said, or I said, hey, why don't you put it on eBay? And he said, hey, that's a great idea. And a couple weeks later, I think we met, we were talking, whatever. And I said, hey, how's it selling your stuff on eBay? And he said, oh, I decided not to do it. And I was like, why? He said, well, within the policy, there's this little line I just don't agree with. And he began to explain it, and I'm like, really? Seriously? You need money, but you're getting hung up on this one little line, this one little thing. Because I've sold on eBay and had friends who have sold, you put your product up there, it sells, it goes to your account, they take their fee, you get some money. Simple as that. But it's some kind of legal jargon they just got hung up on. And they said, as a result, I'm not going, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, really? You're going to limit God? You're going to limit this so much? And I don't know if they ever sold it on, on eBay or not. But my point is this. As Christians, we can get hung up on some of those things as we come into a body, as we come into a place. There can be something that the Lord says, look, that really isn't that big a deal. This is where I'm placing you. And maybe God placed you here and you didn't like me or my preaching style. Or you didn't like worship, but, but you're obedient to be here. And God has, has flourished you in an amazing way. And he'll continue to do that as you're sent out. Amen. Second thing I want to share comes from the book of Acts chapter 11. And regardless of what church God calls us to, regardless, we're in the kingdom of God, and we need to have a kingdom mentality. And we understand that the Lord is asking us to have firm reserve, not firm reserve, firm resolute of the heart, a resolution of the heart. Acts chapter 11, verse 19, and we'll read through uh, verse 24. It says, those who, who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that began because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the message to no one but the Jews. But there were some of them, Cypriots and, and Cyrenian men, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Hellenists, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Then the report about them was heard by the church that was in, at Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When they arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord 
with a firm resolve of the heart. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a large number of people were added to their number. A couple of things. One is just a side note. You know, a lot of times Barnabas gets a bad rap because him and Paul had this dispute a couple of chapters later. And, and then the book of Acts follows Paul. Barnabas was a good man. Luke records it right here, full of the Holy Spirit. And if you, if you read church history, there's a number of things he did. So don't knock on Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man. But two is this. As Luke's writing the book of Acts and as he's writing about this encounter, he could have written many things that Barnabas said. I'm sure this wasn't a two or three minute exhortation that, that Barnabas had with the church here or the people here. What did, he, what did he choose to write down? We find here in verse 23, he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with a firm resolve of the heart. It doesn't say, Luke doesn't say, hey, he talked to them about salvation is not by works, but it's by grace, or, or the Holy Spirit this, or, or the church this. He said, remain with full resolution, full purpose in the heart. And I think that's very interesting. You know, basically what, what he's saying is continue to persevere, to carry on, to maintain your loyal service. But I think we have to dig just a little bit deeper to get the full effect. Because many times we just read over this. This is one of those lines, one of those verses in the history part that we just kind of gloss over. But when we begin to dig in just a little bit deeper, and we begin just to look at the Greek word that's used, prothese, it means to have resolute in your heart or purpose in your heart. And this form is only used one other time in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is saying, hey, follow my example. I've given you this example in conduct and in speech and in purpose. And it's in that word purpose that this Greek word is used. And so we could change the reading a little bit where, where Paul is saying, hey, remain, or not Paul, but Luke is writing what Barnabas said, remain true to the Lord with purpose in your heart. And look, that's a broken record around here, if you think about it. We talk about purpose. You've been purposed by God. You have a calling with God. You have these gifts and talents that God has placed on you. Go forth. Be, take your heart cause and go into the world and do those things. But Paul is saying, or not Paul, Luke is saying a little bit more here as he uses this word. You know, the, the root of this uh, Greek word prothesis means to pur purposely set forth before or something that's predetermined. We all have this predetermined calling and purpose that's there upon our lives. But yeah, it's a little bit more than this. If you read the King James, it's, it talks about being consecrated or the showbread. Now, you begin to talk about have firm resolve in your heart and have this purpose that's God-given, that you're consecrated, you're set aside, that you're the showbread. Maybe you don't know what the showbread is, the bread of presence, or the presence bread of the Old Testament. It begins to kind of paint this broad picture of who we are to be. Again, Luke could have recorded anything, but he recorded the importance of being in the presence of God, being before the Lord, laying all bare before the Lord. He didn't say, hey, make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit and then go out and evangelize. He didn't say, make sure you're a disciple. I'm sure Barnabas said these things. But what Barnabas really emphasized, or what Luke felt like he really emphasized, was know the purpose of God as you're set apart, as you're consecrated, and be the showbread. In the Old Testament, and I'm not too familiar with this, but there was a table, I believe, that had a couple crowns upon it, and, and the bread is there. It's the bread of presence, and it's always there the bread is. And the presence of God is within that area, or the bread is in the presence of God. We're the bread. And Paul, not Paul, Luke is recording what Barnabas is saying and, and saying to the, to the early Christians, be in the presence of the Lord. 
be in the presence of the Lord. And we say that all the time. Again, it's a broken record. Read your word. Be in prayer. Fast. Serve. All these things. But more than anything, have a resolve in your heart that no matter what's going on, that you're in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing more important than, the, than to be in the presence of the Lord. To know your purpose and know your calling, you've got to be in the presence of the Lord. When we begin to deviate from it sometimes is when we begin to go down roads we, we don't need to go down. The third thing I, I want to share kind of goes back to what started all this, and it's a sermon really of getting out of the boat. And I just wrote this. I only got two lines that I wrote. It says, when the boat blows up, it just means you get to go and participate in something cool. Because I really had nothing else to say other than that. And then I said this, the boat will blow up. And it's how you allow God to process you through it that matters. You know, there's going to be life things that are just going to happen. We found ourselves Wednesday night, we thought we were just going casually to the emergency room. I don't know if you ever go casually to the emergency room or not, but Addie had her tonsils out about two weeks ago, and about 5.30, right before Josiah's soccer game, you know, blood just started pouring out of her mouth. We're like, okay, this is just a little setback, and we got it stopped. Halftime of the soccer game, blood again. They go home, they get it stopped, it goes again, and then I have an episode with it, and it's just a lot of blood. And we're like, yeah, we're, going to the, we're calling the doctor. He says, come to the um, ED, I guess is now what it's called. I'm just going to call it ER. But, um, you know, we're like, okay, he's just going to check it, put some gauze on it. You know, you let it clot real good, and we'll, we'll be home in an hour or so. So we get there, and, and I had to go park the car, and I come in, and Carrie's like, they've got an OR room waiting for us. They are expecting us. And we're like, what? Huh? And the nurse is like, yeah, we're going to take you up. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, wait, hold on. We want to see the doctor first. And it's, oh, yeah, you'll see the doctor. And so we were upstairs in the bed, and she had her gown on in probably like five minutes. And we were escorted by two people. And this is about 9 o'clock at night. And by 11 o'clock, we were home. They had already done surgery. They rolled her into surgery at 10 or a little bit before 10, zapped what they needed to zap in terms of the blood vessel. And we were out of the hospital at 1045. But here's the thing. Where we're walking up, Carrie's like, oh, man, what a setback this is going to be. You know, tonsils, they're casual, right? But it takes some recovery. And we've had 10 days of fun. And um, <laughs> we've had fun, right? No. <laughs> we got one who doesn't like to take any liquid medication. So pill medication doesn't always go well, right? One who doesn't like antibiotic, you know, all these things. And, and just, it's, we knew it was par for the course because we had another child who had, had been through it. But, you know, I remember Carrie saying, oh, man, 10 days again, you know, and, and I'm sighing too, like, oh, I feel your pain <laughs> because now it's going to be on me because I'm now unemployed and now you're employed. <laughs> But it's just been a slight setback. And in fact, she came out probably in better situation. And my point is, in everyday life, you're going to have the boat blow up. And it's how we respond to those things because we were praising guys like, in the medical system now, how do you get into the hospital, have surgery, and get home in two hours? It's, a, it's God. And if it was the next morning, because we had a whole recovery room upstairs, 50 beds, they were all empty except for hers. And we're talking to the nurses, like, oh, that thing's packed during the day. And this and that. And, and even the doctor wasn't even available the next day because he had other surgeries lined up. So we're like, man, God, you're so good. You send this little piece of wood floating 
by when the boat has blown up. And that's what happens many times. I just want to remind us from what uh, Paul uh, says, or again, it's Luke who's recording this. In Acts chapter 27, verse 34, Paul's going to Rome, and they've hit these storms, and it, it, it's this really interesting I, not idea, play of Paul trying to get to Rome. He's arrested to go on trial, but, but it's almost like God's keeping him back for a purpose and a reason. There's all these things. And they begin to uh, kind of have this shipwreck. And uh, verse 34 of chapter 27 says, Therefore, this is Paul saying, I urge you to take some food, for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your head. That's always comforting to me. They, they didn't lose a hair from their head. I stand on that verse. Not enough faith. You didn't have to laugh. Come on. In verse 41, Paul goes on. He says, But they struck a sandbar and ran the ship aground. The bow jammed fast and remained immovable while the stern began to break up by the pounding of the waves. And that's going to happen in life, in our own lives. Some of you have already experienced that in different ways, ways that I probably never will. But he goes on, the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape. But the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. So God's going to say, jump and begin to swim because you're able. The Word tells us that. He's not going to put something on us that we're not able to get out of or He doesn't enable us to get through. But then the rest were, were to follow, some on planks, some on debris from the ship. In this way, everyone safely reached the shore. Look, the boat's going to blow up. But you're not just going to be on the water by yourself, slapping because you can't swim. There's going to be some planks coming by. Even the kitchen sink's going to come by. Whatever debris there is, it's going to come by because the Lord is in control. And those are, you know, the story I share is everyday stuff. But what I'm going to talk about is calling stuff as well. Because all of us have a calling, and a lot of us are wondering, Lord, what are you doing? Because you look back, because you've, you've followed God, but you've heard the word that's been preached, not just by me, but by others, and saying, Lord, I'm out of the boat, and it's blown up. I don't even see anything. The waves crested, and you're just sitting there on the water. What do you do in those moments? What do you do in those moments? Is you've got to know God's in control. You know, I'm supposed to get selected to be an army chaplain in, in, in this month, but it didn't happen. I got two generals holding up my application, well, now one, who's supposed to sign off. Now, I don't know why these generals would look at my pack. I don't even know if they've looked at my pack and say, oh, I'm just going to hold up. It just happens, right? There's, there's the red tape of, of government and, and all that. And so I'm still waiting. I got an email two weeks ago. said, you have to the September board, which is around September the 11th, you, have, you need to get your stuff in by September the 4th or it's off the table, which means it's off the table. This is not a possibility because I have an age waiver, and, and your age waiver expires. And I remember reading that email like, crap. <laughs> i just tell you, that was my response. Is like, this, you know, I was like rubbing my eyes like, really? And so everything in me was like, oh, God, the boat's blown up. What am I supposed to do? Come back. Hey, just kidding about closing the church. <laughs> I just want to see your faithfulness, right? <laughs> and so I started making some calls, started sending some emails, and it was like, oh, yeah, I do need to pray. And so I was praying some, sent out a text to some of you guys, asked you to pray. 
and I hadn't been sleeping well anyway. And, and my wife had said, well, maybe, maybe the Lord's waking you up early to pray a week or so before this. And I'm like, hey, Peter, get behind me. <laughs> it's summertime. I don't have to set the alarm. That next morning I woke up, it was like 5, 4 something, 4.45, 5 something, I can't remember. And her little voice was there in my ear saying, maybe the Lord's asking you to get up and pray. And it was in that moment when I got up and I prayed, was with the Lord, maybe an hour, hour and a half, that I had that moment, and I think we all have these moments, I call them the kind of the Lieutenant Dan moments from Forrest Gump, where you're just kind of having it out with the Lord. And I'm like, Lord... I've been faithful to you. Anyone ever had those moments? The woe's me. Lord, look at what I've done. Look at where I've laid my life down. You know, and, and I, I wouldn't ever say it publicly. It's just me and the Lord saying these things. And I'm like, Lord, there's not even a boat to go back to. What am I supposed to do? How am I going to provide for my family? What about this? What about that? I don't want a pastor anymore. No offense at this point. <laughs> no, I, I, that's not true within my heart. But, you know. It's, Lord, what are you going to do? And the Lord said, hey, I'm in control. And I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that. <laughs> but I'm the one who's got to pay the bills. I've got these guys to take care of. And the Lord said, I'm in control. And, and it was later that I came across this passage and was thinking, hey, the Lord sends this plank. He sends debris many times along our ways. The Lord is in control. And we need to remember that. The Lord is in control. There's a lot of things that have taken place individually in people's lives and even in the life of this church where God has been in control. And there's times where we've scratched our head and saying, God, what are you doing? It's crazy to, to close a church. It's crazy to send everyone out. But the Lord is in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom. We, you know, we walk a faith journey if you think about it. It is a faith journey. But we, we want God to operate on our conditions in our way. Lord, bless my plans. Lord, do this. Lord, I'm sinking. Help me. And the Lord says, no, I want you to turn it the other way. I want you to walk with me. We're going to walk up that wave. We're going to go over that mountain. We're going to go into the line of the den, and we're going to fight the lion. That's the faith journey that we live on. That's the faith journey that we'll continue to live on and with and through for the rest of our lives. Whether, whether we're all together or we're not, God is in control. And I want you to understand that, that there will be times when your boat is blown up and you're like, where is it? There'll be times you'll be in the boat as he's comforting you, as he's restoring you, as he's refreshing you for the next season. But we must always remember God is in control. God is in control. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you so much just for who you are. Lord, I thank you just for just being so faithful to this body, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the calling that's been upon this body, the calling to be a sending church, Lord. And we've certainly seen that time and time again, Lord, as people have come in just bleeding figuratively, Lord, and, and hurting in their heart and how you've just brought restoration, Lord, have you, as you just have put them in a place of health and you've sent them back out, Lord. We thank you for that, Father, just the, the influence that this body has had upon people all over the world, Lord, from Brazil to China to Tanzania to Albania and to, to the far ends of the earth, Lord. And, and we praise you and we honor you for that, Lord. 
waiting for the impact that you've had here in our community, Father. And Lord, I thank you just as Jesus, as you sent the disciples out, you said, go therefore and make disciples, Lord. I pray that over this body, that, that we will go forth from here and continue to make disciples, Lord, in all areas of our lives. Lord, I pray for our families. I pray for our homes. I pray for our neighborhoods. I pray, pray for the places where we eat, places where we, where we play, Lord. I pray for the places where we work, Lord. Let us see them as your mission field. Lord, we are your missionaries. Send us out, Lord, into this world in peace and with your light. And may your light shine through us each and every day, Lord. There's times we get up and we're wrestling with our own things. May the testimony of that itself be encouraging to someone else, Lord. Father, we honor you. We thank you. You're amazing. You're an amazing Father. You're an amazing friend. Jesus, we thank you for laying your life down for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. You fill us up each and every day. You're good, Lord. You're so good. Your blessing over each person, Lord. Your favor rests upon each person. Open those doors, Lord, that need to be opened. Lord, strengthen those that need to be strengthened. We call forth in Jesus' name those purposes, those callings, those gifts, Lord, that may be dormant in some way. Breathe life into them. And Lord, we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.